Good morning, good um, afternoon or good evening, depending on wherever you are. My name is Marcus Schmidt. I'm currently the uh, Senior Legal Advisor to the UN Office at Geneva. I'm going to talk about the uh, procedure uh, labeled the Universal uh, Periodic Review Procedure of the Human Rights Council, its modalities and its linkage to other human rights uh, procedures. Uh, I uh, choose that subject because until the end of 2009, I worked in the office of the uh, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, uh, where I was in charge of the treaty-based complaints procedures under the core human rights instruments. Uh, but before uh, going into the uh, modalities of the Universal Periodic Review Procedure and uh, its linkages to other human rights procedures, it's perhaps uh, appropriate uh, to give you a few uh, words about the background of the uh, uh, Human Rights Council's uh, UPR procedure, Universal UPR, Universal Periodic Review Procedure. And uh, excuse me if uh, very often I use the acronym for Universal uh, Periodic Review, which here in the uh, Secretariat language is uh, almost exclusively referred to as UPR. Back in uh, March 2005, the former Secretary General, Kofi Annan, published a report that uh, uh, was designed to cover uh, reform proposals uh, in a lot of uh, areas of UN activity, including in the field of human rights. Uh, a year earlier, in 2004, he had uh, uh, mandated a panel of uh, eminent experts to uh, make a number of proposals about uh, reform of several uh, UN uh, areas of activity, including in the field of human rights. And that panel of experts had recommended a number of proposals uh, for reform in the human rights area, including the uh, uh, replacement of the former 53-member Human Rights Commission by the Universal Membership uh, Human Rights Commission. The Secretary General did not uh, accept that proposal and in his uh, March 2005 report instead opted for a smaller Human Rights Council which would, uh, whose principal activity would be to review the human rights situation of all countries, regardless of whether they are parties to the principal UN human rights uh, instruments, and do so on a transparent, equal, and objective uh, basis. And it was that proposal that he uh, put out, put forward uh, to the penultimate uh, session of the Human Rights Commission in uh, the spring of 2005. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, the uh, former Commission of Human Rights, its members, did not uh, welcome uh, the proposal of the Secretary General with uh, open arms, because at the time he was very blunt in its uh, assessment of how the Commission had dealt with country situations, mostly on a selective uh, basis, uh, leaving out uh, some country situations where serious human rights violations uh, were well documented, and above all, um, making recommendations uh, that were um, not always uh, equitable and even-handed uh, and uh, very often of a politicized uh, nature. Uh, even so, the uh, Secretary General's or Kofi Annan's report uh, triggered a lot of activities uh, at the level of uh, uh, the General Assembly and between the summer of 2005 
and the spring of uh, 2006, two working groups uh, met, which were later merged into one working group uh, that worked out the proposals uh, for a universal periodic uh, for the establishment of the Human Rights Council and uh, the possible modalities of a universal periodic review mechanism. These debates culminated in uh, the adoption of uh, General Assembly Resolution 60 stroke 251 on 15 March 2006. And the General Assembly Resolution 60251 spells out uh, in some detail the principal competencies uh, and attributions of the Human Rights uh, Council. And its operative paragraph 5 of Resolution uh, 6 uh, stroke 251 which stipulates that the Council shall undertake a universal periodic review, which is, quote, based on objective and reliable information of the fulfillment by each state of its human rights obligations and commitments in a way that ensures universality of coverage and equal treatment. The review should be based on a constructive dialogue and is designed to complement, not to duplicate, the work of the human rights treaty bodies which monitor implementation of the principal human rights instruments. And under paragraph uh, 5, numeral F, the Council is uh, to respond uh, promptly to human rights emergencies. General Assembly Resolution uh, 60 stroke 251 did not spell out in more detail how a uh, universal periodic review mechanism really was to function. And it left to the Council a period of un one year within which uh, the Council could uh, specify and negotiate the modalities, the exact modalities of the uh, Universal Periodic Review Mechanism. And the period between uh, uh, June 2006, that was the first session of the Human Rights Council, and June 2007 is usually referred to as the uh, institution building package of the Council because uh, the Council was uh, supposed to take over and develop ex other existing mechanisms uh, uh, of the former Commission on Human Rights uh, and to adapt them to its new mandate. And during the period uh, mid-June 2006 to June 2007, there were numerous consultations uh, that brought together not only the uh, Council members, there are 47 of them, but also uh, other UN member states, uh, members of the UN human rights treaty bodies, uh, members of the UN secretariat and specialized agencies, academia, and uh, also of uh, international NGOs. Many of these consultations were held uh, under the auspices and the sponsorship of the uh, Swiss government in Lausanne, not far from Geneva. And uh, these consultations uh, were later continued in the UPR working group chaired by the uh, Moroccan ambassador to the UN office at Geneva. Very succinctly, there were a number of proposals for the, uh, on the modalities of the UPR procedure that covered a very broad spectrum indeed. There was one uh, proposal put forward by Mexico, for example, under which uh, the Council uh, would entrust uh, the review of uh, country situations, of universal periodic review country situations to independent experts, not to the members of the Council itself. And the Council itself would come up with a very concrete and precise 
recommendations uh, uh, that uh, could be followed up on and follow up would more or less be a mandatory uh, activity for the Council in terms of uh, following up on the UPR recommendations. There were other proposals uh, that were far milder, we could probably situate them on the other end of the spectrum. The Council itself would uh, engage in a review of the human rights situation of all member states, but do so on the basis of a, a more or less informal uh, dialogue uh, uh, with recommendations that are not binding uh, and uh, uh, need not necessarily be implemented by the review country in question. And in between, there were a number of uh, compromise uh, proposals uh, under which uh, there would be a review of a UPR review of countries uh, by the Council itself, but the vetting of recommendations by independent experts uh, and with a more or less uh, compulsory follow-up procedure. All these um, consultations uh, culminated in the adoption of the Institution Building Package Resolution 5 stroke 1 in uh, June 2007, and uh, that resolution in paragraph 15, as well as in, in a subsequent decision of the Council adopted in September 2007, uh, spell out the modalities of the, uh, of the UPR procedure. And the modalities of the UPR procedure as spelled out in, the, uh, in Resolution 5, Stroke 1 of June 2007, and in the subsequent uh, Council decision of September 2007 are as follows. Each UN member state is reviewed every four years. So that means that at the moment the Council must review 48 uh, countries per year. UPR Working Group, which consists of all the 47 Council members, will conduct the review during three two-week sessions held every year. So currently, the Council, apart from its regular sessions, holds three two-week sessions uh, per year, where in each session 16 uh, countries are reviewed under the UPR procedure. Each review is facilitated by a group of three Council members. These Council members are drawn by lot, should be from a different ge geographic uh, region each, and they are commonly referred to as the Troika and reviews will be based on three reports. The first report will be uh, the national report of the country under review. That report should not exceed or must not exceed 20 uh, pages. There's a specific uh, page and word limit uh, which goes uh, according to the UN rules for documentation and sort of uh, uh, general average number of words per page. Uh, page and word limit that is applied very strictly by the UN and the Council Secretariat. That national report should include uh, human rights achievements, best practices, current challenges for the implementation of all human rights and constraints, such as budgetary or other constraints, as well as uh, indicate and list uh, key priorities. And in preparing the national reports, the UPR review countries are encouraged to uh, consult uh, other national stakeholders uh, such as bar associations, NGOs, uh, other uh, national institutions for the protection of human rights, for example. Experience has shown since 2007, and especially since 
April 2008, when the first UPR review session took place, that the vast majority of UPR review countries have actually prepared national reports. And most national reports have indeed been uh, prepared in accordance with the guidelines that uh, were set out in Resolution 5 stroke 1 and the Council decision of uh, September 2007. I compiled some statistics at the end of 2009 when half of the UN member states had been reviewed under the UPR procedure and at that time, at the end of 2009, uh, over 95% of the uh, review countries had indeed submitted the national report. And even where a country, and at that time there had only been three countries uh, that had not prepared a report, uh, had uh, uh, they sent a, de sent a delegation to Geneva when uh, UPR review effectively uh, was conducted. It's another matter of whether the broad consultations with national stakeholders that are encouraged uh, by Resolution 5.1 have taken place. Uh, there the uh, analysis of uh, the nature of national consultations by the government with other stakeholders is a little more sketchy. The second report will be prepared uh, by the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights and it will contain uh, uh, on no more than 10 pages a limit which again is applied extremely strictly, relevant information and recommendations from the human rights treaty bodies, the special procedures mandate holders, and relevant outputs and recommendations of other UN organs or departments or entities. Uh, and that report, as I said, is not to exceed 10 pages, uh, which is why uh, OHCHR, which puts together that report, has of course to focus on only the most relevant recommendations of treaty bodies and special procedure mandate holders and outputs of other UN entities. The second or the third report to be prepared also by the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights is a report again not exceeding 10 pages that puts together uh, relevant and reliable pronouncements and statements of uh, other stakeholders, mostly of national institutions for the protection of human rights and uh, NGOs. Again, that uh, report is prepared by OHCHR. There have been a number of occasions where UPR review countries have sought to challenge the inclusion of some information in this third report on the ground that the uh, information included in that third report was not considered reliable, reliable information. Uh, OHCHR tries to avoid such challenges by putting into place and that mechanism is now well established, uh, a very complex in-house mechanism for the compilation of these, uh, of the second and third reports. Uh, divisions, all divisions of the OHCHR are involved in the compilation of these uh, reports and uh, there are now far fewer procedural challenges on the presentation of these reports from UPR review countries or council members. The actual review under UPR by the Council consists of what can be termed an interactive dialogue between the state concerned and the Council itself. All Council members and observers as well may participate, although the review will not exceed three hours, which is indeed uh, exceedingly a uh, little amount of time to cover the 
issue of implementation of all human rights, be they economic, social, cultural, or civil and political, by the country under review. When the review is over, the three members that were drawn by lot and uh, should lead the review, the so-called Troika, will prepare a report for adoption by the UPR Working Group. That report must be uh, prepared within an exceedingly small uh, 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 tight deadline, usually not more than 48 hours, and the Secretariat of the Council, of course, lends a helping hand in the preparation of this uh, report. And at a subsequent regular Council session, up to one hour will be reserved for the uh, consideration of the outcome document and the uh, Council plenary will then adopt the final report. The Secretary-General, Ban Ki-moon, has characterized UPR as a mechanism which, and I quote, has great potential to promote and protect human rights in the darkest corners of the world, end of quote. I noted briefly that country reviews uh, began in uh, April 2008, and by the end of 2009, as I said, more than ha half of the UN memberships, uh, 96 countries, had been reviewed under uh, UPR. Another UPR uh, review session just ended, and uh, uh, another 16 countries are reviewed, so that by end of May 2010, 112 uh, countries have been reviewed under the UPR mechanism. It's perhaps a little early to give an authoritative assessment of the effectiveness of the U uh, UPR mechanism, but I think one can already make uh, a number of uh, uh, statements and pronouncements uh, uh, about the effectiveness uh, or not of the mechanism. First of all, one can say and at least I would uh, argue that the vast majority of states examined under UPR have engaged in an open and constructive dialogue with the Council. There have been a few instances where review countries, UPR review countries, have attempted to uh, manipulate the dialogue by uh, seeking to steer the discussion into areas that were really marginal at the national level in terms of human rights protection. Uh, some other review countries have uh, sought to manipulate the process by uh, uh, seeking to uh, uh, manipulate the speaker's list uh, uh, for interventions during the review in such a way that only members from their regional groups or states from their regional groups intervened uh, in the debate. But by and large, uh, and this has also been confirmed to me by a lot of delegates from countries uh, that have been reviewed, uh, uh, countries wanted to engage in an open and constructive dialogue uh, and found the dialogue with the uh, councillor and observers useful. There's one element which one can observe uh, since the uh, first uh, session of the, under UPI in April 2008. The number of uh, recommendations uh, adopted by the council in plenary has grown uh, from session to session. And for some review countries, the number of recommendations uh, has been, uh, what I would say, uh, is an unreasonably large number of recommendations. Uh, for some UPR review countries, for instance, uh, the number of recommendations, uh, and these are recommendations, uh, again, uh, resulting from a three-hour dialogue, not more, has exceeded 150. And that has the unfortunate results that uh, 
uh, one, uh, in some instances, one uh, hardly can have a constructive dialogue between the review country and the uh, uh, council members, as council members or other intervening uh, uh, states uh, will simply confine themselves to read out uh, recommendations uh, to the review country. The fact that uh, recommendations under the UPR procedure are pure recommendations and are not legally, strictly speaking, legally binding has also been uh, underlined uh, by the fact that uh, quite a few UPR review countries uh, uh, have uh, challenged or rejected uh, some or several recommendations made by the Council under UPR. It's a, a positive point to note that uh, politicization that bedeviled the discussion of country situations at the level of the former Commission on Human Rights has by and large uh, uh, been avoided in the context of UPR. One should, however, be uh, uh, truthful and uh, acknowledge that there have been some instances where uh, UPR review has been uh, overshadowed by, uh, by some uh, political acrimonious, uh, politically motivated acrimonious uh, exchanges between the review country and uh, other council members or between the review country and uh, observer states. Uh, for obvious reasons, I will not be able to give any concrete details. There has uh, been uh, evidence that there is indeed uh, complementarity and no duplication between the UPR procedure of the Council and the reporting uh, mechanisms of the human rights uh, treaty bodies or the activities of the UN Special Procedures mandate holders. There wasn't fear initially that uh, because of the uh, possibly mild nature of UPR in the sense that it would not come out with binding obligations uh, and be confined to a more or less informal dialogue between uh, review countries and council members, uh, that this might undermine the uh, procedure, especially the reporting procedure of the human rights treaty bodies, which are more structured and where the recommendations tend to be more targeted and precise and where there are well-established and sometimes compulsory follow-up mechanisms. Uh, fortunately, uh, that concern has not materialized or only materialized in one or two very isolated cases. Had been, uh, the concern had been expressed by a uh, former uh, president of the International Court of Justice, Rosalind Higgins, in a letter to the former High Commissioner for Human Rights in, uh, 2000 and, uh, in the spring of 2006. I have been able to watch the interaction between the treaty body procedures and the UPR procedures for a little over two and a half years before leaving uh, the Human Rights Office. And I have to say that uh, in the really vast majority of cases, uh, there has been good complementarity between the UPR procedure and the treaty body reporting procedures. To give you one example, uh, this concerned uh, uh, the situation of human rights in uh, Algeria and Indonesia, which were among the first countries to be reviewed under UPR in uh, April 2008, they had their reports examined under the reporting procedure of the Committee Against Torture under Article 19 of the Convention Against Torture about a month later, and they were uh, asked a number of specific questions about the commitments they had made in the context of the UPR review, and there was some type of good interaction between uh, the set of recommendations that came out of the UPR review and the recommendations that were subsequently uh, 
uh, they're subsequently adopted by the Committee Against uh, Torture. And there have been quite a number of other examples where treaty body members have queried uh, uh, delegations uh, of uh, states' parties, uh, which had previously, in the more recent past, be uh, reviewed under the UPR procedure of the Council. Conversely, the Council members during the UPR review of countries uh, very often ask uh, country delegations about how they have implemented uh, a specific uh, recommendations that have been uh, adopted by all and sundry treaty bodies. And uh, country delegations uh, have usually uh, uh, attempted uh, to reply bona fide to these uh, questions of council members about implementation of treaty body recommendations. So in a sense that interaction is a positive uh, is a positive uh, uh, thing and uh, it is to be hoped that that interaction, uh, uh, that positive interaction will continue in the future. There have been, uh, one should be frank, a number of instances where UPR review countries have taken the uh, UPR review as a pretext to postpone the examination of uh, initial or periodic reports under the treaty body reporting procedures. For obvious reasons here, again, I cannot uh, give any names, uh, but again, uh, thankfully, these, uh, these examples have, been, uh, have remained relatively isolated. Overall, and we are now coming into the period of uh, review of Council working methods and review of the UPR mechanisms, which has to be completed before, at least the first round has to be completed before the end of 2011. One has reason to be cautiously optimistic for the uh, following reasons. As I said, most UPR review countries have found the interaction with council members uh, a positive experience. The instances where attempts to manipulate the procedure have remained uh, uh, very uh, few. The procedure is complex, but it does display the uh, elements of inclusiveness and transparency that had been emphasized so much by the former Secretary General Kofi Annan when he uh, proposed a mechanism of peer review, as he called it, in 2005. And uh, the UPR review and the recommendations coming out of the UPR review do provide uh, or do generate a potential for genuine national platform uh, for the improvement of human rights uh, protection, especially if uh, national stakeholders uh, are truly involved in the follow-up to UPR recommendations uh, at the national level. The issue of follow-up to UPR recommendations is something that's uh, uh, actively and controversially uh, debated uh, both in the Council and within the uh, Secretariat of the Council uh, itself. I uh, mentioned earlier that the number of recommendations coming out of uh, UPR review per country is very high and that sometimes creates problems in terms of follow-up to the recommendations. But this is a matter that's being actively, uh, uh, actively uh, uh, debated and will be uh, factored into the review that has to be completed by the end of 2011. I think there's a general uh, understanding among council members that uh, it is in their interest uh, to make uh, the UPR procedure an effective, a more effective mechanism, because that will, to some extent, uh, determine uh, the survival chances of the Council itself. 
because UPR was designed to be uh, the element that makes for the value added of the council in comparison to the former commission. And if uh, uh, the future of UPR uh, is uh, not ensured, uh, uh, the council members would have to uh, uh, candidly uh, assess that uh, the future of the council itself is not uh, entirely assured. The way UPR review uh, exams have uh, succeeded for, for, uh, so far uh, give me some uh, reason for hope, uh, and it's with uh, these words that I will conclude the presentation. Thank you.